Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? we got to start the show. Bobby Orr, behind the left of Sanderson, the Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr from the Boston Bruins! 30 seconds left in the period, the Bruins are shorthanded. Ray Bork. Hey Bruins fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We're also on YouTube. I'm loving this, this whole thing with the, the audio and the video. It's working out really good. We do have a special guest recording on March 26, 2020 today. I'm so pumped for this guest because we've been really looking forward to uh, collaborating a little bit, but trying to get some time together and a little hiatus kind of screwed me up, but whatever. But uh, before I get to my special guest, I really want to talk to uh, talk about uh, show sponsor betonline.ag with currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball. You might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on. Well, let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. Open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000. Uh, poker series. If you're into props, entertainment betting, you could still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. That's crazy. Visit the visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus 
with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code CLNS50. Don't forget, CLNS50. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Now, to my special guest, and before we go on, because I didn't want to wait till I said this, till after the ad read, obviously, but I do carry an explicit label on this podcast, but I do want to mention to those who, if we go any further, there's going to be a few F-bombs, because my boy, I am letting everything loose, but my boy is on this show right now, and I'm so pumped to have him. His name is Chris Mancuso. You can follow him on Twitter at cmancuso9797. Got his Twitter account back. All those followers that he's gathered, got him back. Chris, my man, how are you? Good, buddy, good. And thank God I got those back. I thought I had to start over. That was a strange experience, man. Um, The Twitter account was gone for, I think, over a week. I think it was about nine days I was off. But I went on to go on Twitter one day, and it said I need to – verify that I'm human, it's going to send a text message to me. So I hit send message because it's my phone number, the last four digits. And sure enough, man, it just wouldn't send a message. I ended up like going through my carrier provider, resetting my entire cell phone, resetting all my settings, like went through everything. And then just randomly a couple days ago now, I, uh, I just tried to send the code again because I was upset about it because I had then already given up and started a new Twitter account and just happened to send the code, man, and back on I was like nothing ever happened. When I put it in, it just said, okay, you can use your Twitter account, human, and that was it. That's awesome. Uh, how does it feel after 24 hours that the wellness checks were coming out? It was, it was crazy, man. I mean, it was funny. I had actual people reach out to me wondering if I had uh, the coronavirus. So it was some serious shit, I guess, but it wasn't too bad, man. I, I took a, a nice little break from everything, decided to use that week just to uh, hang out and enjoy some quarantine time, watched a couple of those crazy Netflix documentaries. I always see people watching like uh, the documentary Don't Fuck With Cats. That was really messed up, man. Like that Luca Magnata guy, is uh, his apartment is like right down the road from where Dean Blundell does the, the <laughs> podcast when I'm gone and where, where they like triangulated him in it, like to like find him originally from the cat video, that apartment building, like I, I'm making my way up there, right? I, I, for work. So I actually called those apartments to like view an apartment and it was just really creepy. So I had a good week watching Netflix, but I'm happy to be back and focusing on hockey and, uh, what a time to come back to with all the stuff dropping about the Bruins over the last uh, 72 hours. I know hockey's gone, but there sure as hell has been a lot of Boston news. Before we get into the topics about hockey, and I know we're going to touch on some, a major one that I really want to get your opinion on as a passionate fan, but uh, concerning the virus, uh, how are you and your family doing? I know you're in, uh, you're in Ontario. I'm not sure exactly where, and it's not a big secret that, you know, you know it's not like one of your guests on the Dean Blundell show, but... Um, oh. Um, how are you doing? Uh, and congratulations on, on a recent thing. If you want to talk about it, we yeah, can, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. go right ahead. No, man. Yeah. Though, first off, thanks for the congratulations. Yeah, I got engaged, taken the plunge, um, willing to give up half of my stuff, I guess, if things ever go south. No, good, good, great girl. My, me and my son and her, we're all very lucky. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, coronavirus, I'm in the Niagara region. So, um, I live in a town called Fort Erie, which Buffalo, which borders Buffalo, like the bridge from, it's a border town, right? So 
I live here. Like if I look out my, my door, I can see Buffalo. Um, so that's, I'm basically right on the border. That's why a lot of people say I sound American. We all kind of have a different accent in this part of Ontario, but um, everyone's safe here, man. We have had cases in the region, probably 10 or 11 cases and, uh, you know, a death the other day. But you know what? It sounds like we're all going to kind of contract this virus in some way or another, whether we get the symptoms or not. Like, it all sounds like they're just trying to slow the spread for the hospital resources, right? So like for me, I'm not sweating it too much. I just worry about like, you know, uh, the older members of my family. My dad is a risk too. Uh, I definitely worry about those, those people, but I'm not worried. Like I think we're all good in, in here, but we're just keeping away from people, man. Got to wash your hands, got to, uh, got to take it easy and bunker down. Like, you know, it's not like we're being asked to go to war or something here. Like I got to stay home and, and watch TV. That's not so bad. Absolutely. And continued thoughts to you and your family on, on staying away from this uh, worldwide virus. It's terrible. But, uh, um, and you talk about being from the Niagara region. I'm curious on, and, and so close to Buffalo, I'm curious where the Bruins fandom came from. And now I know you personally, and I know how many shows that you do, and I know you've explained this in the past. But explain to my listeners, or our listeners at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, about uh, how you got so attached to the Bruins from an area that you're from. Yeah, you know what? Where I am, uh, I was born and raised in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Massive Bruins fans there because from 1960 to 67, I believe. Don't quote me off the top of my head. The the uh, Niagara Falls Flyers were actually the Bruins minor team. I think that was technically junior A then. I, I think off the top of my head. But yeah, a lot of great players played through there. And uh, my grandparents used to billet players. So uh, they would let them like live in their house. I, I forget, like I'd have to ask my dad, but like some big NHL guys uh, like lived in his house as a kid and like were Bruins. So yeah, we're all Bruins. Everyone on my side of the family are Bruins fans. And the other half of the Italian side of my family are all Blackhawks fans. So I ate it pretty hard when we took the loss <laughs> in 2013 because we're either Bruins fans or Blackhawks fans. Like not, not many Toronto fans in the family, just my dad's girlfriend. That's it. But uh, other than that, that's it, buddy. Uh, big, big fan of the Bruins my whole life. Always grew up watching them. Uh, was lucky to grow up in the back half of the 90s into the early 2000s, which was just like uh, horror at first. I got used to losing pretty, pretty early. And, uh, you know, I remember Joe Thornton drafting them. I remember when they traded them. Like, there's been so many ups and downs with this team. And, uh, you know, right now it's, it's a strange time in the NHL, I got to say, dude. This is weird feeling, like losing the season at 70 games here. Like, I'm so into hockey right now. I feel just lost without sports. I hear you. And before we get on to that first topic, and I know I'm, I'm kind of dragging up, but I think it's very important that everybody should know where uh, you host your podcast and how many oh, yeah, you do yeah. and, and, and also your writings. Please plug anything available because I'm a huge fan. Not yeah, only are we friends, but I'm a huge fan of everything that you guys do. So I want the opportunity Appreciate to give it. you. Yeah, no. Uh, first off, I work for DeanBlendell.com. It's a website in uh, Canada Dean was a big former radio host. He's done over 20 years. He has the uh, 
had the biggest Toronto morning show going and working with him is a lot of fun. There's no limits on the stuff that we do and write. So if you want to check out anything, you can go over to DeanBlendell.com. I also work with Ian Glennon at Full Press Coverage. I do uh, the Full Press Bruins right now with Nick Germano. I won't be doing the Bruins podcast the whole time. The plan is to kind of give the show over to Nick and uh, and possibly someone else like McLovin or, or someone who wants to fill that slot because I really do want to make sure that as like the full press coverage end of things, we're operating better on the NHL side as far as getting more teams covered. Um, it was kind of dead for a while there. So just trying to bring that up. And But the real plan is to, to hardcore launch the fullpresscoverage.com slash NHL starting next season. But we're already putting the wheels in motion right now. So awesome. Um, you can check that all out there too. I think that about covers everything. And like you already mentioned, my Twitter account, that's where I'm mostly on uh, at cmancuso9797. That's it. Don't forget, folks, check out Get the Puck Out doc, uh, oh, yeah, Get the Puck get Out the podcast. Puck out. Yeah, yeah. How can I forget that? The podcast that I started on and like, <laughs> even doing this with a buddy of mine, Kyle O'Hal. We run that through DeanBlendell.com. You can find us there. Uh, Darren Millard's podcasts on the network. Uh, he works for the Golden Knights, but uh, the Chirp is back and running now because they're off. So he just started recording new episodes. And there's a lot of good content on that website, including Get the Puck Out. I do that with my buddy Kyle. Uh, he's a big Tampa Bay Lightning fan, but we've uh, we've grown up as really close friends. And, you know, we go over there and eat dinner and have drinks with his wife. We're really close, but, boy, we're not afraid to give it to each other sometimes. So it's, Oh, man, uh, it's I love good, the Twitter battles. It's a, it's a good back and forth with uh, me and Kyle, and it's real, too. Like, we <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll get we'll get uh, we'll get right into it. We get fired up. Uh, nothing we love more than pushing each other's buttons. It's a lot of that's why we started doing it because anytime we would get together, it would just end up in him and me just going back and forth, back and forth about hockey. So it's perfect. Yeah, I was hoping that if well, you know if the if the season continued that the Boston Bruins and Tampa Bay Lightning second round series would happen. Oh. Not only not only for the Bruins to move forward. But the engagement that you guys have, and yeah, I think during, that's during those last two games they played, like the war that started. He had some big Tampa fan with like it felt like a hundred Tampa fans coming at me, and then like all the Bruins kind of Twitter people started going at them, and him and me were actually just messaging each other the whole time, having a laugh. We were like, "Holy crap, dude! Like we're starting a little bit of a a little bit of a war here," and it felt like we were contributing to the bad blood the best way that you could off the ice. And uh, once they get resumed too, like I can't stand the Tampa Bay Lightning. I like to call them Toronto South. Uh, after they blew it last year and uh, got swept in the first round, 62 wins, and all they got was a lousy T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> it made me really happy. So, you know what? I hope Boston plays them. I hope they play them because I think this is the year Boston would avenge the loss of a couple years ago and bring it back to 2011 when they had that epic matchup. That game seven was still probably in 2011. Tim Thomas versus Dwayne Rolson was probably the best game of hockey I watched in my entire life. That's awesome. That's awesome. That um, was a great game, man. Holy yeah. God. Oh, man. That would be, I mean, uh, absolute podcast gold, social media gold if you and Kyle went at it in this series. Seven oh, yeah. games series like we that. Would, we would awesome. do live. We're, we were already talking about it. If they do it, we might get together if everything's safe and sound by then and actually like live stream us watching the game. Do it on Sportscaster yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. That would be so badass. Oh yeah, it would end it, it would, there would be blood and guts everywhere, I'm telling you. <laughs> 
Awesome. All right. Well, what's not so awesome, and that's a terrible uh, segue, but it is, it's a terrible time for certain people um, everywhere. This virus is, is, is impacting everybody. There's no, there's no ways to hide from it. I mean, we are quarantining ourselves and so on. But when folks do that and they have to go into shelter in place and uh, occasions, um, you know, people lose their jobs. They're getting laid off and this and that. Now, the, the Boston Bruins ownership with the Jacobs family are not making themselves look any better week three or week two into this whole quarantine thing and stay away from everybody. Well, they obviously want to stay away from their bank account because they don't want to fork over any cash for some of the people that have made them billions. So one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on is because I've heard you on, on other podcasts recently, but you have a very, uh, uh, well, very intelligent, comp I'm, you know, what do you think about this whole thing? I, I'm getting tongue-tied because I'm still pissed off. Um, you know what, man? It's... You know, it says a lot, and, and I mean, I hope fans are watching because I love the Bruins, I love the team, I love the alumni, the players that have played here, but the Jacobs family have nothing to do with that. The way they operate every, every year, you know, when it comes to the lockout stuff, Jeremy Jacobs is leading the charge with Gary Batman, and he doesn't care about the game of hockey at all. They were the last team to announce how they would help their staff members and the first team to announce that they were getting rid of uh, – staff and laying people off it tells you exactly what kind of operation they're running when you're the last team this guy is worth almost four billion dollars he owns delaware north which is the concession company inside of these major arenas so every time you go buy a beer and when you buy a beer in buffalo you're paying jeremy jacobs money and the jacobs family charlie jacobs all of them uh, that's going to Delaware North. They have more money than God, these people. This guy's like 138 on the Forbes list. And uh, you know what? It just shows you that like, I could never ever achieve that much money because it's just not possible uh, for me. But I couldn't be that way. I think that's the kind of person you have to be to even make it to that much rich, like that much wealth and that much. It's just so greedy, man. And it's such a bad look. And I hope the Bruins fans and season ticket holders are watching when they were the last team to announce how they were going to help people and the first team to announce that they're getting rid of people. That shows you how they operate as a businessman. And, it, and as a fan, it's disappointing. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it does not look good on our fandom at all. Um, and there's nothing that we can do about that. And, and I understand that, but Man, it's it, when it comes down to hu a humanity factor, it's like, where are you? you it's you know, four months, guys. Like, pay these guys. Pay them right through. This is a global pandemic. This is like nothing we've ever seen before. You're still going to be worth billions after helping people. What is it? What is like, uh, you know, I just saw Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints is donating $5 million of his own money uh to uh like louisiana like he's giving them money to put out into the community and jeremy jacobs can't do that for the staff that has made him his investment of 10 million dollars in 1975 worth over one billion dollars now so you know what it just shows you what kind of person you're dealing with they don't care about one member inside that uh inside those doors and it sucks man i mean the jacobs family don't have anything to do with uh you know they were the big bad bruins and had that mentality before jacobs was ever there and uh the 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 players of the past are what drives the team not the jacobs family they should be embarrassed man and i hope they i hope they the, this bad press does something but the thing that um 
the thing that gets me is like, I don't think he cares. I think Jacobs thrives on it. I think he thrives on it. I think he likes being that guy. He likes standing up there with Gary Bettman and leading the charge on these lockouts. I think he loves that he was trending and everyone was talking about him for that reason. I don't know. The guy just seems like Mr. Burns in real life to me. He's Absolutely. Evil, yeah, he's an evil dude. And you could tell the way he was. Like when the Bruins won the Stanley Cup and at, at the end of the parade when they all got together at City Hall – um, you know, Jacob said, like, clearly called out Neely, saying that he couldn't do it as a player. But when Neil, when Neely got up to the microphone, Neely put his sack up and just said, "Thanks for giving us the money to make it happen." You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, it, it, the whole Montgomery Burns thing was 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 well back then, in 2011. Oh, and everybody's known about it. Yeah, absolutely. And they were never afraid to throw little pot shots at each other. Cam speaks up big time uh, anytime. He runs the ship in that in that organization, as far as I'm concerned, from everything I've seen. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's crazy times in Boston. A lot of a lot of chatter about that. And then you got the people that hate the Bruins jump all over it. And it's like this is one of the times I don't have anything to defend it. I'm just like, yeah, it sucks. It's a <laughs> It's a horrible thing. It's a shitty way to treat the people that have made your, like I said, your $10 million investment worth now over a billion dollars. Come on, man, pay the staff. I wish, uh, you know, I don't care if the things that I said cost me from ever talking to a player for the team or an alumni person again, like, because I have their contact. I don't care, man. Like, you, you know, to everybody who's sitting there and I've seen actually people in the bigger media step up and say stuff because Sometimes, you know, uh, your press passes can be pulled if you say the wrong thing. Nobody, yes. likes to, nobody likes to admit that. Nobody likes to admit that because, I mean, everybody, every journalist wants to believe that they have, like, journalistic integrity. But the bottom line is, is if you're getting in those doors, they don't expect you to challenge too much. And I've liked some of the response from some of the bigger writers uh, in the Boston area on Twitter. I saw, like, spoke right out against it. And I hope that... You know, they, they see, I reached out to Delaware North actually to try to get comment and see if they had any, uh, any plans because like they were trending all over the world. Like that, that the Jeremy Jacobs was trending in Canada, trending in the States, number one. And like, you know, and I think it was very telling when the, the tweet they put out only had like a hundred likes, but had over a thousand comments. That's when, you know, you've done messed up on Twitter. Like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I was just seeing if they were going to change anything, but they never got back to me. So no comment as of yet. But I, I mean, hey, I hope that this kind of pressure makes them see because you know what? I saw Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, said, yes. pay attention to how your team treats their staff members during this, it will affect their brand going forward. Like he believes that a hundred percent. The first thing that guy said when the NBA was where the players were pulled off the floor, he got interviewed right away and they were asking if they were worried about losing the season. And all he said was he was worried about the part-time staff, the hourly staff. He's like, I got to set something up for them. That's the kind of ownership when you have billions of dollars we need and leadership we need from the people who have money, you know, all these same people got bailed out in 2008 and their other business ventures on wall street. It's time to like, you know, take care of your part-time staff. Yeah. And, um, and, and when it comes to the Jacobs family and the deep pockets and having a heart, I just want to say shout out to my boys over the Big Bad Bruins podcast, Ian Glendon and Chris Blackie. Oh, Anything man. is possible. I love that. Yeah. Anything that's, is possible for Jeremy Jacobs to have a freaking heart. 
Yeah, we need him to uh, to get it together, man. Because I mean, it's been embarrassing for me. I don't like that stuff, man. I oh. like uh, I want my owner to show leadership and show some humanity. Like this sucks for people. I saw in the United States something like three three and a half million or three point two five million people uh, uh, went on unemployment, like lost their jobs. Like that's a that's never been seen in the history of uh, of the country. It's never been that much. So yeah, that that dates back to like the Great Depression. Yeah, like, and it's worse. The number of that is worse. And I get that it's only temporary, but you know what? In these temporary tough times, you'll make the money back. If anybody out there is going to a Boston Bruins game or any NHL game, and you want to stick it to Jeremy Jacobs when they start resuming play, don't buy anything. Don't buy it. Don't shop at the concessions. Don't buy anything from the concession stand and freeze them out. But you know what? The workers are—they get paid by the hour. It doesn't affect them. But go throw a couple bucks in their tip jar. But don't buy anything. The first game I go to, I'm not buying nothing from the concession stand. That'll be my uh, my little protest too. And I—I I mean, I—I've talked to Bruins season ticket holders that say they're done over this. I've talked to two. So I mean, hopefully that they've gotten on the horn because they're the real only fan base that really gets much of a say. Or the season ticket holders—they get, you know. A special meeting and they get emails and that but yeah hopefully uh hopefully there's some pushback here and things change because that sucks like you're telling me todd angley isn't getting paid right now the guy bartends and sings and he's not getting paid are you kidding me right should be taking care of that guy man that sucked yeah yeah and and what happened in the renovations over the off season when they went from seventeen thousand five sixty five to I believe a little over 18,000 yeah, yeah. to cram more people in there and create more revenue for yourself. And you're still doing this. It's just- The prices always go up every year. Yeah, um, the prices go up, but you, the, the scumbags still act the same. It's just yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, I know the prices go up. The leg room was cut in half, like you said, just so they could squeeze in a few uh, $150 tickets. But you know what? That's how they operate. And I'm just- it's really a shame, man, because uh, I like, I care about that stuff now. The older I get, like I'm going to be 30 this year. I'm not that old, but like I'm coming into the point now where it's not like. that old. Fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's like. And I dropped the first F bomb. Go figure. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. But yeah. <laughs> Um, just like, you know, I, I care about that now. Now I'm like, when I think about the, the Bruins, I'm just like, ah, that sucks, man. I don't like that we have that stain because look at it like Marshawn and guys, like they were donating their own money to a GoFundMe that should have never had to have been set up. So yeah, and, and it's not a reflection of the players. They're a reflection of themselves, the Jacobs family. And it's no, been no secret. He thrives on it. I don't even like talking about him too much because uh, I think he likes the negative press. I think he's just that kind of guy. Oh, well, we'll move on from that. Cause I'm getting heated myself. So um, yeah, he's a brutal guy. Yeah. Uh, hey, with all the Tuka Rask retirement news and, 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 and rumors, it's not a rumor if it comes from his mouth. So I do believe Matty Porter yeah, on this, yeah, yeah. and he's the writer from the Boston Globe. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tail on. I'm not stealing. I'm tailing on to the Big Bad Bruins podcast that was released today and ask you the question, where do you rank Rask all time on the Bruins, but also in the NHL? As far as like a goaltender? Goaltender for franchise, and then as a goaltender league-wide, I, I mean, in history. That, 
Tuka Rask is probably like a top. I mean, I don't I haven't really thought about it as far as history goes, but I'd say he's got to be in the top twenty-five goalies of all time, top thirty goalies of all time when you run the numbers and everything. Um, doesn't have, I mean, he has a Stanley Cup, but he didn't win that. It was Tim Thomas won it, right? Um, I think Tuka Rask, as far as the Bruins franchise goalie, though, I know he doesn't have a Cup win himself, but most wins in franchise history. The guy is solid as a rock. In my opinion, if this season's over, he won the Vesna this year. Um, absolutely. He's first in goals against average, second in save percentage, second in shutouts, and I think second in wins. And no one other, none of the other goalies in the conversation are even close to having the all-around stats that Rask had. He's, on, in my opinion, since the beginning of last year's playoffs to now, has been the best goalie in the NHL for the last year and a half. And I, I'll address the the retirement thing. I think these guys are really bummed out right now. This sucks, man. They want to be playing hockey. And, uh, you know, I don't want to release too much, but Nick Germano from Full Press was able to kind of have a couple words with Boston Bruins defenseman Tori Krug. And uh, believe me, guys are bummed out. I'll just say that. Guys are bummed out about this. And, you know, Tuka Rask has kids at home. And now, like, you know, the NHL reached out to the teams and said, hey, book your arenas into August. So now they're into August and you're going to have to play. And the next year could be like a shortened season, but a condensed schedule where you could be on the road. And I think Tuka Rask is just bummed out. At the end of the day, he's only going to be 35 when that contract hits. You look at guys like Sergei Bobrovsky, um, Carey Price, guys that are going to be making 10 plus million dollars into their 40th year. I think Tuka Rask is a smart guy. He's a good goalie. He's getting better with age. Goalies still can perform pretty well between 35 and 38. Um, I know he's had some stumbles before, but Mike Smith in Edmonton had a great season this year, all things considered, yep. as far as a guy who's like, what, 39, 40 years old. And I think Tuka Rask, uh, you know, he didn't get the wear and tear on him early with Tim Thomas being around. He, uh, he really didn't take the reins on things until what 2013 was when he really took over in there. So he's only got seven or eight years of actually being like the guy miles on him. So I think he knows that he would still get, you know, probably eight or $9 million over a four or five year contract from the Bruins, like the way that he, he plays. So I don't think he'll leave that much money on the table. I think he was just upset. I think it sucks right now for these guys. I think I absolutely, I know he said it to Matt Porter and he said, it's not a rumor if it comes from the horse's mouth, but I don't buy it. I think he's just bummed out. Yeah. Yeah. And I like Matt and everything and I'm not trying to criticize him at all, but I mean, that was also said in February, way before all this stuff was happening. Um, and it might have been used as, as a story to uh, release when there's not so much news now. So, yeah. um, you know, regardless, it, I mean... It, yeah, you'd it, have to hear context, right? Because he said it's always a possibility. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that, that, that line right there made me say, like, well, of course it's a possibility. He doesn't have to play. Obviously not. But, like... Dude, he's got a ton of – he still could make another 20. To 20. He could probably make another $30 million at least. Absolutely. Like, you Absolutely. know what I mean? In his career for four or five years. Um, easily, like $35, $40 million. So 
I don't think he, as a as a smart human being, I think you would lock that money up because NHL contracts are guaranteed. If you end up throwing your back out, you go on LTIR, insurance pays you right until the day that contract's supposed to end. I think he would be a knucklehead to do that, and I don't think he'll do that. I think I think uh, money talks and bullshit takes the bus. That's what I think. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, how about this one? Uh, Post-Chara, who wears the captain's C for you? Oh, Patrice Bergeron obviously will have to get it. Although, I mean, he's getting up there in age too. You don't like to say that, but these guys are getting old as well. But it'll go to Bergeron. And then uh, who knows after Bergey, but he'll have it for at least four or five seasons. I would think that he's probably got left. So uh, take, take, take Bergeron out of the equation. Who do you give it to? Oh. And, and list your A's. And this is actually from, I stole this one from Beers and Bruins. It's a, a new podcast with my oh. friend Drew Johnson, Cam Hasbrook, and Chris Gear. Nice. I'll yeah. check that out, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, good show. Those guys drink beers and they sit there and talk and it's, oh, it's, it's that's it is my a, kind of show. Exactly. I know you'd like it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll have to check it out. Okay, so if, I, if there was no Bergeron and I had to give the C, who would I give the C to? Boy, I think that I would probably give the C to Charlie Coyle. Oh, good one. And I went, I go with that because uh, I like putting the C on my center. And if he's gone, and and like I, I think that we're going to be seeing the last of David Krejci after next season. I don't think Boston's going to. Sorry, think Coach Blackie. I know I'm sorry to say that, but I think Krejci's smart enough to know that, like, hey, you see a guy like Joe Pavelski or uh, you got Matt Zuccarello got six-year deal at 32 or 33 years old, right? Yeah. Um, Krejci knows that he can beg some long-term uh, some long-term on the open market. I mean, the Bruins would match the dollars. There's that, that's not an issue. But it's the term, I think, that'll end up making David Krejci uh, – leave after after next season i don't think that they'll be able to match the term that he would get on the open market i don't think they'd be comfortable enough with it so for me it's like i don't know if mcavoy would be ready he was another guy i was wondering tory krug if he was still around would be another guy that is a is a fiery passionate guy brad marchand too i mean there's so many possibilities brandon carlo i love his game but i mean my a's would always be marchand um, if we're talking Bergeron and Chara weren't there and Krejci weren't there, I mean, Pasternak would maybe have an A and then maybe someone like Carlo. All right. I think, I think Carlo's one of the most underrated defensive defensemen in the NHL. Exactly. And that's why... And he's my seventh man this year. If yes, seventh player award, mine too. seventh player award winner this year is Brandon Carlo. When I, I went to a game in Buffalo, and I remember, like, I always thought he was good, but that game, he was just, like, I was watching him every single play he jumped on. He was picking pucks off. He was getting his stick in the lane. He was unbelievable. His skating and size is unbelievable. Brandon Carlo is so undervalued. And the job that Don Sweeney did, bringing him in... Uh, and Charlie McAvoy back at those uh, wicked uh, cap friendly. numbers, team-friendly cap numbers. He'll do the same to Jake DeBrusque this summer, too. Jake, don't, uh, don't be getting any visions of $5 million a season in your head. You'll be in the three, two and a half to $3 million range as well. Don Sweeney is the best at re-signing his own guys. But I think that, uh, like I said, back to Krejci, I think that he'll just get too much term. And, uh, yeah, I would say Coyle would probably be that guy if, if those guys were all gone. For me, my captaincy would go younger 
And um, yeah, because you get the long term thing. Exactly. Because uh, even though this player that I'm going to discuss is on a short term now, I think the way he's playing since he got into the playoffs for the first time in his career last year and this season abruptly ended, I think Brandon Carlo is a great candidate for that because he's, yeah, been, man, he's, he's been really showing the leadership. Um, as being an older player, you could see him working with the Loves Ons, the Zboros that come up, the Cliftons, and so on. And he's also taking uh, information like a sponge and absorbing it from the Charas and and the, and the guys, the Moors, and from you know the, the veterans on the crew that are handing it down to him. And he's doing the same thing. I just think for the way his game is, the shutdown style defensive, um, and the way he just acts on the ice lately, his maturity is the biggest thing about. Uh, him, uh, him yeah, getting that. I agree. He's awesome, man. I can't say enough good things about Brandon Carlo. He was my like my breakout player of the year for sure this year in Boston was Brandon Carlo. I think he made uh, leaps and bounds compared to the year before. I think, like you said, that playoff run I think taught him a lot. He's really strong too in front of the net. Not afraid to grab a guy when he has to grab a guy and move him in front of the net. I think he'll just get stronger as he gets older as well and fits into that big body the way he skates, man. The Boston Bruins have themselves a good one there, man. Holy crap, he's a good player. Absolutely. And the A's uh, first A would definitely go to Brad Marchand and the second A, Charlie Coyle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. Coyle would have a leadership role. He, He's a guy who has a big motor on him. Doesn't maybe produce the way you would like him to sometimes offensively. Um, he goes into these little streaks where he gets cold, but it's never for lack of hustle. Yeah, and his puck possession is freaking outstanding. Yeah, yeah. The, the things he does off the puck and on both ends of the ice excuse those like moments where, yeah, he'll go six, seven, eight games without a point. Like It happens. But, you know, I remember off the hop, uh, Donato was crushing it and coil before the playoffs it just every time they grab a guy at the deadline before the playoffs it looks like they're not going to fit and then it always kind of seems to work out a little bit minus Yarmir Yager yeah um, and obviously Rick Nash got hurt there was nothing you could do there but he was looking like a great fit with David Krejci before he went down so I think that would have been a good one too but I was really interested to see how Kasha and Richie would look. I liked the way Richie looked down. Uh, I think that they acquired a couple of decent pieces here that, again, Don Sweeney has RFA control over. So, yeah. He's been a great GM so far for the Bruins. They are lucky to have moved on from Shirelli into a position where Don Sweeney has done a pretty good job with this group. Yeah, uh, this, this trade down, Deadline, especially the, the lateral movements, just the, the plug and plays that they needed. They didn't have to go out and, and as much as I wanted to address that right side and, and give somebody uh, with a little bit of term and, and, and a decent cap friendly number that's going to fit in Boston under our constraints, um, he didn't. But he went out and got these lateral movements that he seems to do on the regular that work out. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, we get the small sample size with Richie and Kasha, and hopefully um, we'll get back to hockey and see even more of that with, with a little bit of rest and, and, and quarantine workouts if, they, you know, if they're still allowed to keep moving and so on. I'm sure they, they uh, are uh, working out. But um, yeah, yeah, it sucks, man. They're locked down until the end of March, right? Every player has to stay into quarantine. So 
I know a lot of guys are streaming video games right now. A lot of NHL 20s going on. I actually had on Get the Puck Out, James Sabalski, he's the commentator with Ray Ferraro on the NHL 20 game. So nice. that was really cool to talk about that. That's the only NHL we got going on right now is online. So exactly um, i'm thinking of like trying to find a way to hook myself up online to play some of my twitter followers and some games i gotta figure that out i'm not i'm not tech savvy at all i don't know how <laughs> uh, i would do that you know i'm a hockey junkie when i'm looking at twitch AH, i mean uh, east coast hockey league games from the atlantic gladiators <laughs> yeah man exactly like i love just watching hockey the khl ended up calling kaputs on the league too didn't they yeah um, they were the only league going, so there's legitimately nothing, man. This is crazy. The AHL um, still has a prayer. I mean, they're they what? Um, not David Andrews, and I'm I don't even remember the guy's well, name. Yeah, they don't share arenas with the NBA, really, right? So well, that's some of them do. Some of oh, them do. do. They? Some of yeah. Them do. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the uh, AHL has not shut down yet because they're going to go on the on the call of the NHL. If the NHL goes, the AHL's done. I don't think the NHL is going to give up on this season. I think they think it's imperative to finish the season. Now, I think that these unprecedented times are going to call for a solution we've never seen before. Because when you look at the playoff structure, like you could call the season and start the playoffs. But if you're the New York Islanders who only played 68 games and are only one point behind the second wildcard place, Columbus Blue Jackets, and you should have two games in hand on them, you're going to feel pretty pissed off with the league calling the season uh, and them getting in because they played two more games than you and only had one more point. And uh, I think you could see like an expanded playoffs with a best three of five to start kind of thing i think you could even see maybe the wild card teams playing in like a couple little games to get in or something but then you wonder like how's that fair if then those teams play a couple games and then like a team like boston sitting cold and they have to play a team who's played you know three or four games or something however they do it or two or three games you know like they're gonna have their legs and you're not right so yeah so this is gonna take a weird solution but they 70 games into a season you got to hand it out. Like you got to, you got to end the season somehow. And yeah. I think that's what they're looking at August, September for, uh, you probably book into August, September. Uh, then you probably get October and most of November off or you could even do a shortened season in January if they wanted to do that. And, uh, it all just depends on this virus, right? It changes every day. So who knows? It does almost by the hour. Sure. feels like it. Yeah. Uh, um, Talking with Chris Mancuso of the, uh, he does so much and it's, it's so fun to follow and listen and, and the banter is just unbelievable. So please give me <laughs> a follow at Chris Mancuso 9797 on Twitter. But I wanted to ask you, uh, this is basically the last one that I have and uh, it, it sucks that we just short on topics, but I mean, we've been going for a pretty good, good while here, which I yeah, really appreciate definitely. the time. No problem, man. I love it. Um, but as a, uh, as a Niagara, Ontario native, your thoughts on Boston Bruins prospect Jack Stanika, and uh, when do you see his timeline becoming a full-time NHL player? Well, man, Jack Stanika could do it now if he really had to, but the best thing the Bruins uh, do is they they're really don't rush their prospects, which I am a fan of. I like him continuing to develop his game down in the American Hockey League. But I think next season, Jack Stanika could come on this team and play. He played uh, for the Niagara Ice Dogs. He got traded there for a playoff run. And right away, he stood out like a sore thumb to me when I would watch these games. His, his, uh, 
his size for his speed is unbelievable. And he's a hard-working kid. I mean, you know it. Well, you've watched him in the AHL. You've seen more games of him than I have now. But I would say that his he's just always in the battle. I, that kid doesn't take a night off. And uh, what was he? He had to be one of the – was he the best rookie in the AHL this season so far? Was he the top – I don't know about rookie scoring. I know he was uh, the top rookie on the Providence Bruins, and he led the league in shorthanded points and shorthanded goals. I think it was seven. Yeah, uh, fantastic special teams player. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I couldn't, don't quote me on that about being at the top of the uh, the rookie. But if not close, he's, I mean, top five. Yeah, that's know? what I mean. This kid's awesome, man, and like the the he has to continue to develop his game. He's a good center. Um, let them develop because, like I said, I think there's going to be a time where David Krejci is gone and someone's going to have to slot in there. And that's where I see Studnika coming into this team and uh, <clears throat> potentially playing with a guy like Jake DeBrusque or Kasha or whoever, you know. So I think Studnika is probably – he could do it next year, but he might be another year away. Yeah. The, the, the attributes are all in this guy's tool bag, and it's, and it's been so fun to watch uh, go from Oshawa to Niagara in the trade yeah. and then coming into Providence in his first full professional season um, with the Providence Bruins. Uh, but what I've noticed that in the junior years, um, he, was, he was taking a lot of liberties as being a high-profile prospect, and I get that. Uh, you, they, they go after their, their, their uh, high, you know, better players, try to get under their skin because Oshawa was a, was a very decent team. Oh, yeah, had, had, um, had Kyle Kaiser in net and, yeah. and so many other players that you know were on that team. And then to go to the Niagara and then the, you know, the, uh, the OHL playoffs when, you know, unfortunately they lost. I was hoping they were going to go far with that. And uh, Stephen Dillon and Nett, I love that kid. Yeah, he, Dillon he, was a good goalie. I liked yeah, him he, a lot. He was at the 2016 Bruins uh, development camp, and I was hoping, as an undrafted goaltender, I was hoping mm -hmm. the Bruins were going to give this guy a chance because he really did well. But He was always kind of underrated in the OHL, too. Kind of a guy who never got the respect I think he deserved. That's funny. I haven't heard that name in a couple seasons, Stephen Dillon. I wonder where he is now. I wonder what he's doing. I, I think he signed with the Fort Wayne Comets. Okay, cool. But then again, don't quote me on that. <coughs> but cool. what, what I did like about what I didn't – it's kind of, kind of weird how I'm saying this, but when, when Studnika was playing in the OHL, he was the type of player that would get those liberties and immediately look at the referee. Yeah. So in his first year of the AHL, he saw that in October. But then all of a sudden, it's like he wasn't even looking around. He was going after those people. And I've seen him on several occasions. Like, they don't see it coming when they give liberties to him. He immediately just, like, grabs them and, like, body slams them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Where is this coming from? The guy still needs to grow some meat and muscle and so on. He's got all the offensive capabilities, but where's this like intensity? He's a strong kid. He's a strong kid, man. But yeah, you know what? I will say this, and I covered the OHL, so I've seen it. You get treated like royalty, and these kids get this attitude. And like, I, uh, I've done some work with the junior A team locally here too, and it's funny to see these guys. 
you get treated like you're special for a long time when you play triple a and all this and uh you know like uh the they do get a bit of uh the big names get a bit of leeway in the ohl i'd say compared to the other guys just like in the nhl bergeron gets away with stuff marshawn would never get away with there's a class system with the referees too but um yeah no i i know stanika was a bit whiny and uh you saw crosby came from the queue is like that these kids get treated like they're special all the time and i bet you what happened to stanika was is the coaching staff down there probably let them know that nobody gives a shit man the ref doesn't care if you get tripped down just get up and shut up like you don't need to be yapping at the ref and getting them on their bad side because no matter what people say refs are supposed to be this or that if you're on them all game believe me they're looking to blow the whistle on you every time <laughs> yeah and and that's one of the reasons why i really i really believe with the patches, whatever happens, if we do have an off season, if we don't go this and that, if there's contracted players at an end of term that they like the, I don't know, like Nordstrom, I know he plays left wing, but I wouldn't resign him for the roster spot. Let's give it to Jack. Yeah, exactly. I think, no, there's a couple guys on this roster that could go and even, um, you know what? There's some people on this roster, like Danton Heinen was in the doghouse, but he's not the only one that the front office, I know for sure, um, from people that I spoke to in the OHL, who uh, I know a guy who scouts for the Bruins. And uh, you know what? Um, I, I mean, call me crazy now. Uh, talk to me a year from now, though, because I still think he'll be here next year, but maybe not after. But I don't know if Sean Corrali has the confidence that some of the Bruins fans have in him from the coaching staff and the front office. I think that they were kind of expecting a little bit more from Sean Corrali. And I think this season was a bit of a step back as far as the franchise goes. So Studnika could even find himself slotting in down that fourth line uh, center position. If somehow, you know, the Bruins end up, you know, Paul Mary had two years left on his deal. Jersey didn't have to do that deal. Now in the summer, they'll have more of an idea if he's willing to stay because as well it'll probably get bumped back but theoretically as of july 1st they should have been able to start talking contract extension with him right and then you would kind of have an idea and i know for a fact that jersey wanted corrali in a deal with paul mary so and i i know that for a fact an absolute fact and that's why that joe thornton talk was so strong and they did kind of test the waters a little bit but didn't go too far down the rabbit hole because if they would have acquired paul mary they would have had a fourth line center slot to fill so that's where right. all that came from. And I like, I like the small sample size of Sean Corrali outside of the fourth, fourth line. Um, yeah. When he was playing the left, on the left line with Coyle. With Coyle, I liked him there. I thought that was I awesome. I was like, are, are we going to get a new Boeing here? Yeah, you know are I mean? we going to get the new Boeing line? Exactly. No, but legitimately, man, like Corrali on the fourth line center role isn't really my favorite right now, but I liked him on the, on the wing. Yeah. So, Let's yeah, I thought he had happens. a lot more to offer. Yeah, yeah. I think he had more to give than he gave this season. And, I mean, you never know what's nagging with these guys. It's easy for me to say here, sitting from the goddamn couch eating Doritos and drinking <laughs> fucking old Milwaukee every time watching. But, uh, easy Millies. for me to say. Yeah, old, old Millie's. Old, old Millie doesn't even operate their Twitter account anymore. I'm so sad. Oh, I think I should Jesus. be sponsored by amount of fucking cans. I, I think so. <laughs> going back to talk about uh, Stanika and where he fits in next year, I'd like to see him full-time, obviously, right? 
Yeah, but definitely. He's a center. I don't want to. I don't want to take him out of his natural center position. And but, I don't think he should play fourth line. Fourth line either. Right. So here's here's my predicament, and and you know I know we, we're 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 coming from all different angles. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but if Stadnika does make the team, does this put Coil? Uh, at least for one more year on Krejci's right side. And and I'll tell you before you, you answer, I'm not a fan of Coyle on the right side because he just – I hate it. I he hate it He needs too. to drive the third line down the middle. Exactly. In deep. He's a great, great third-line center. He's a mismatch on third line. But guess what? He's a very average right winger in a top six. He's not that guy who puts up the points. He doesn't produce enough to be on that second side. I hope not, man. I hope that's not the case. I wonder if Jack Stadnika could explore the, could have the Bruins if they know that they won't match the term for Krejci. Maybe they look for someone this soft season and get something for him. The guys had a couple really solid seasons. Like if you're the Carolina Hurricanes or you know, to another extent, even the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, I'm just trying to think of teams that that need guys up the middle. I mean, even the Toronto Maple Leafs or something. No, I don't think about that. But um, there, there's definitely teams out there. The Detroit Red Wings, I think, would would build a young core guys, bring in a guy like David Krejci, and they have a ton of cap space. The Colorado Avalanche, I think, would take a guy like tons David Krejci on their team with tons of money and tons of, uh, you know, I think they could move Nazem Kadri down and do a third-line center position, no problem, or put Krejci there, no problem, and play with a guy like Burakovsky or whatever. I think that the Boston Bruins might even, if Studnika is a good player, man, and I think that if they see Charlie Coyle, they paid him five-plus million dollars. That's like second-line center money. Uh, I could see Studnika coming in and playing alongside Kasha and Richie or something like that next year as a third line for the Bruins. Yeah, and if, uh, if, if Krejci sticks around and they don't want to move Coyle out of that third position, a third uh, center position, uh, would they possibly entertain him playing the right side next to yeah. Great Chief for one more year? Probably I mean, would. They probably would, but I hate that so much. And I, I do too. That. I, I do think too. that just burns a year. I don't think it would do well in the playoffs. I think it burns a year. Of, Call uh, me crazy, but I kind of think that that's why it stunted like Ryan Spooner's growth and, 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 and development because they were just like – I mean, he was a natural center, and they threw yeah. him all over the place, and he just didn't seem comfortable. Well, look at Tyler Sagan now. He's pretty decent up the middle. He's got great face-off stats in Dallas, and they just stuck him on the wing, right? That was the old Claude Julian thing. They never trusted yeah. a young guy to play center. Never. No Never kidding. trusted one young guy to play the center position. Never once in his life, Claude Julian. He was not about that life, and it's funny, but uh, – no, I think that Bruce Cassidy's a real smart young coach, and I think a guy like Studnika could come in and play center in this league. I really do. He's a big, like you said, he's a strong kid, and uh, he's only going to get stronger. You know, they these guys have great strength and conditioning coaches, and they they put them on the program they know they need. So, um, you know, these kids are stronger and faster than ever, man. It's crazy how fast these guys move now. It's like I've never seen any like the last ten years. The game is like it feels like it's doubled in speed. It's just yeah. so yeah. fast. It is crazy. Like those guys like that used to dominate and score 30 goals, Milan Lucic's and that. Like these like those days are done, man. Dinosaurs now. Up, if you can't keep up with foot speed, you're toast in this league. These guys are flying when they're six five. Like, you know what I mean? Like I can't believe how fast some of these guys move. Absolutely. Um, speaking of how fast things are moving, 
my friend Chris Mancuso, who I've been talking to all episode, is is climbing the this uh, hockey media um, ladder till trying till to he, trying to he's trying and he's digging hard and I I I really really I'm an advocate of this guy and I highly suggest I that my it. my YouTube uh, watchers and Twitter followers please follow him at C Mancuso nine seven nine seven Chris one more time plug everything for me my friend. Yeah, C Mancuso, M-A-N-C-U-S-O, 9797 is the Twitter. Uh, Get the Puck Out podcast I run through the Dean Blundell uh, podcast network, which has awesome podcasts like Darren Millard's The Chirp and the Dean Blundell Show, which is a great one as well. You can go over to deanblundell.com. And if you like reading hockey articles and little blogs and stuff like that, go to fullpresscoverage.com slash NHL and download the full press coverage app where you can find all of my podcasts, the black and gold podcast, this very podcast on the full press coverage app available on Android and iPhone type in full press coverage, download it. Now the Dean Blundell show stuff is all exclusively on there too. I link them all together. Like I want to, I love when my worlds collide, man. And I appreciate you having me on doing this anytime I can sit and talk hockey for an hour. It's, it's good for me, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Chris, thank you so much for the time. And uh, we will definitely have you on soon. And oh, definitely, man, I'm around. As we, yeah, so am I. I got nothing going on. But as we're doing the whole quarantine thing and so on, uh, my co-host Heather has not been around. I miss her to death. She's a fantastic hockey yeah. fan too. So hopefully the next time we have you on, she can join us and uh, we can talk Absolutely. some more hockey. Hopefully about games that are happening or uh, playoffs or, or just something, some kind of some kind of news besides Jacobs being a dink. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Other than having the Grinch for an owner. Exactly, man. I appreciate it very much for Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, Chris, thank you so much. And thank you very much uh, for the listeners. You guys have been fantastic. The retweets, the shares, it's been awesome. Um, if you want to write for us, please send a, an email to me at black and gold, uh, hockey blog at gmail.com. Uh, reach out on Twitter. I'm at Black and Gold Two Seven Seven. You can follow the podcast at Black and Gold Pod. Um, we're everywhere. We're just we're just we're just a, uh, a small media train working up into into a big station. So uh, and don't forget to co- follow Chris and uh, the F, uh, Full Press Coverage Network. Those guys do fantastic work over there. But anyway, this is another week. I'm doing this a little early because I got plans for the weekend with my lovely Courtney. So um, nice. we will talk soon and. and one more time. Thank you very much, Chris. It's been a, been a real pleasure having you on for the first time. And we will definitely be uh, talking more often uh, in the next couple of years. Yeah, man, absolutely. I look forward to it. Take care, bud. Take care, buddy. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.